turn your Bibles with me, if you would, this morning to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17 within God's Word, and then also keep your thumb, if you would, in Mark chapter 11 within God's Word, 1 Samuel chapter 17, and your thumb in Mark chapter 11 this morning. Amen. Israel. It was literally just last month we were walking the streets, the dusty roads, the hilltops of Israel. My wife and I, along with uh, members of this congregation, uh, experiencing the sights, the sounds, the smells of Israel. If you go to the place where Jesus preached the sermon on the mount, that biblical site, like with so many biblical sites in Israel, a church is there and a gift shop. You go to Mount Carmel, where Elijah prayed and fire came down out of heaven. There's a church and a gift shop. You go to Nazareth, where Jesus grew up, where Mary uh, received the message from the angel Gabriel. There's a church and a Bethlehem, a church and a where Calvary, Jesus died upon the cross, the church of the Holy Sepulcher, and uh, many gift shops. In fact, the old city of Jerusalem surrounding it with many, many shops. But not, why are we turning the lights off? <laughs> All, uh, well, I'm glad that there's no power shortage with God. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'll tell you, that's just what my message is about this morning, by the way. God couldn't have given a better object lesson than for the, the lights to go off up here. That's right. Sermon on the Mount, Mount Carmel, Nazareth, Bethlehem, Calvary, a church and a gift shop, but not at the Valley of Elah. That's what's so special about the Valley of Elah. On the Valley of Elah, you have a site, you have a place, you have a valley that has no commercial enterprise, does not have even a church or a synagogue built upon it, What's so special about the Valley of Elah? What's so special about a, a dried-up brook that come when the rains come, the former and the latter rains, this brook runs like a river? What's so special about this valley that has remained unchanged for more than 3,000 years? A valley that you find mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 17 within your Bibles. What's so special about it? It's the place where a little boy picked up five smooth stones. And now I know why they were shutting the lights off. It wasn't by accident. It was on purpose. Can we go ahead and show the picture on the slides here this morning? On the screens, I should say. And, and here, your pastor and his wife, Becky, along with others, we're in the Valley of Elah, 
as Dr. Joe Davis gave a devotion on a little boy and a giant by the name of Goliath. And he had us, at the end of the devotion, he had us pick up stones just like these. And these stones, by the way, come from that very brook that I'm standing in. I brought them all the way through security. Glory to God. <laughs> brought them back home here, and we have something special we're going to be doing with these at family reunion time. But there, a little boy picked up five smooth stones, and at the end of the devotion that Dr. Joe Davis gave, he said, I want you to pick up a stone, and I want you to throw it symbolically at the giant problem in your life. I had to take off running because Becky was throwing stones at me. No, no. no. Again, what's so great about that valley? Back in 1020 B.C., one man stopped the entire army of God. You can take that off the screen. This one man descended from a race of, of literal giants. You want to name any NBA basketball player, any NFL football player, any wrestler? He's bigger than all of them. He's bigger than Yao Ming, Hulk Hogan. Go ahead and name them. He's bigger than Shaq. They'd be dwarfed by him. Again, who is this? Young people, children, Goliath. Goliath. He's nine feet tall nine inches in his stocking feet. Under his 200 pounds of armor, we can imagine his biceps bursting, his thigh muscles rippling. He's tougher than a $2 steak. He carries a huge spear that the Bible says has a 25-pound spearhead. And with his enormous shield, he's a walking tank. A soldier's worst nightmare. For 40 days, 40 days, twice a day, he struts between two armies. That valley that you saw Israel encamped upon that clifftop and faced the Philistine army, and Goliath strutted between both armies twice a day, and twice a day he's roaring, Send me a man! Send me a man! Send me a man! And the two of us will fight it out. Why have two armies fight when us two can decide the battle together. Send me a man! The Bible says as he roared, the Israelis were so fearful of this giant that they ran in fear to their tents. And they shook with fear. Not one Israeli soldier stepped at the plate to take on Goliath. Saul should have Saul, by all accounts, was close to seven feet tall. He stood head and shoulders above every man of Israel. The Bible says Saul should have taken on Goliath, but Saul himself was gripped with fear. But God had a plan. I said God had a plan. I said God had a plan. God's plan wasn't an earthquake. God's plan wasn't an angel. God's plan wasn't fire falling out of the sky. God's plan was a little boy. 
Get a hold of that. God's plan was a little boy, a boy named 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26. David arrives, this little boy, on the scene, and David says, Who is this heathen Philistine? Who is this heathen Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Who or what this morning is your Goliath? Perhaps your Goliath doesn't carry a sword. Perhaps your Goliath doesn't carry a, a shield, a spear. Perhaps uh, he's carrying, he's brandishing the blade of, of unemployment, divorce, sexual abuse, uh, uh, depression. Perhaps your, your giant doesn't strut in an ancient valley of Elah, but he walks through your office area. He walks through the hallways of your school. He walks and stalks in, in the bedroom uh, of your home. Uh, uh, he's in your neighborhood. He brings you bills that you can't pay. He represents people that you can't please. He's a medical test report uh, that, that seems spawned in the very laboratories of hell. He torments you and he tempts you with booze that you seemingly can't resist or pornography that, that you can't refuse. Uh, he's a past that you can't shake. He's a future that you can't face. Uh, he, he represents your fears that are characterized by what ifs, what ifs, what ifs that plague your mind and your heart. We all know well the roar of our Goliaths, don't we? What did David do when he was confronted by Goliath? What did he do? He didn't complain. He didn't say, God, why do I always have these gigantic problems? Goliath was three times his size. Goliath was a skilled warrior. David was a little shepherd boy. David didn't calculate the weight of his spear, his sword, or his shield. David didn't try to decipher the meaning of the skull and crossbones tattoo that I can imagine was on Goliath's biceps. David didn't even check out how many men Goliath had killed. David refused to calculate and focus on the problem. His mind was on the solution. When he was before King Saul, and King Saul questioned shepherd boy David and said, Are you out of your mind? You can't take on that giant. What did David say to King Saul? David said in 1 Samuel 17, David said, I have done this both to lions and bears. I'll do it to this heathen Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who saved me from the claws and the teeth of the lion and the bear will save me from this Philistine. Your problem, your problem is not directed against you. Your problem is directed against your heavenly Father. The battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. You're a child of God. Anything that touches His children touches Him. That's how it always was with me as a father. You touch my kids, you've touched me. This past winter, on the coldest day of winter, a garbage man saw my wife holding garbage bags and drove right by her. Then she ran down and he drove by her again. He drove down and she ran down with two bags and he drove her by her again. 
your pastor, I must have lost my mind. I got in my car, I went down, I cut him off and blocked his way with my car. God forgive me. You touch my wife, you touch me. And I made sure he, he took her garbage. <laughs> There's nothing that touches you and I that doesn't touch your Lord. That's why time and time again, this battle is not ours. It is the Lord's, the Bible says. David chose to focus on the greatness of his God instead of his giant problem. His God thoughts, read the passage, outnumber his Goliath thoughts nine to one. Is that the way you think? Is that the way you confess? Is that the way you speak? Do your God words and God thoughts, God confidence, does it outnumber your complaints, your worrying, and your fears? The Bible says that David changed his whole environment, his whole atmosphere, through the words that came out of his mouth. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I've preached that for years with you all, but I haven't emphasized the second part of this verse that I've become more and more aware of. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and you will eat the fruit thereof. What does that speak of? That means that you are creating an environment. You are creating an atmosphere at work, at home, in your marriage, in your crucial significant relationships by the words that you speak. And you will determine your destiny by the words that you speak. You will end up living in what you speak. What environment are you creating with your words? Are you creating an environment of victory or defeat, blessing or curse, life or death? Whatever it is, you'll have to live in it. If you're always complaining, you'll not only live in a depressing world, you'll short-circuit God's blessing in your life. Many of you remember how Israel was at the very threshold Israel was at the very threshold of receiving God's best. They were at the threshold of promised land living. All the promises of God that they had rehearsed for years, that the elders, that Moses had told them that the best is yet to come. They stood at the threshold of the promised land. And what did they do? Did they speak faith talk? Did they confess victory? Did they confess uh, God confidence? No, they complained. They were consumed with fear. And what does Numbers chapter 14 say? God came down in judgment. Does God hear our words? Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked nation complain about me? I have heard all that they have been saying. Tell them, the Lord vows to do to you what you what feared what you feared the lord's going to do to you you all die here in this wilderness i can't imagine god saying i'm sorry it's in the book that's his word reminds me of clyde the city boy who wanted to be a farmer like his brother one of my first illustrations at the old church, 
Clyde found out that his brother was a prosperous, happy farmer. Clyde, a city boy, said, I'm going to leave the city. I'm going to be a farmer just like my brother. The problem was Clyde was a complainer. It rained and Clyde would complain. The sun came out and Clyde would say, it's going to ruin the crops. Too much sun or too much rain. One day he was out in his tractor and he was on the side of a ditch and the tractor wheels began slipping in the mud. The tractor fell over, pinned him, his face right in the mud, and he cried out, Nothing good ever happens in my life. God, why does something always bad happen to me? Now this is not good theology. This is not the Bible. But the joke says that God spoke from heaven and said, Well, Clyde, sometimes you just tick me off. But what is true, what is right Bible theology, you are creating the atmosphere, you are creating the environment that you choose to live in with the words that you speak, the words that you verbalize, the words that you confess. You're either confessing on a daily basis blessing or curse, victory or defeat. Do you hear me in this? And God hears what we're saying. And God will give us the very thing that we're asking for. But there's a better way. I said there's a better way. Did you, would you like to hear that there's a better way? God wants to put a miracle in our mouths. Jesus taught us to speak to our mountains. I want you to know this is New Testament teaching. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three. Jesus said, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Five times, five times, Five times. Jesus doesn't speak about believing. He doesn't even speak about thinking or praying. He talks about our speaking. Five times he mentions, speak to your mountain. Please be aware of that. Jesus is teaching the power of confessing our faith, verbalizing your faith. When you confess your faith, you own it. It's one thing to have mere mental assent. It's one thing to think the promises of God. It's one thing to, to think the blessings of God. But it's a whole other thing to confess it, to verbalize it. When you speak God's Word, when you bless the Lord with your language, you're owning it. You're standing up for the Lord. Yesterday I had some workers in my front yard and I overheard one worker just using profanity and uh, just cursing away. And I overheard him. I thought, not in my house, not now, not here. And I, began, I shouted out, and a couple of our, our young men were working there too. And I shouted out, and I said, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful day that you have given. Listen, if the world's going to use their language, we can use our language. Amen? Praise the Lord. When you speak it, you own it. 
When you speak it, you stand up for God. You stand out from the crowd. Amen. Joel chapter 3, verse 10. We've sung this at Thanksgiving time. Let the weak say what? I am strong. What are you saying? What are you saying? The principle here is let the sick say I'm healed. <laughs> let the oppressed say I'm free. Let the poor say I am blessed. I am well off. Uh, start calling yourself healed. Start calling yourself blessed. Start calling yourself prosperous. It's up to you to determine your destiny in Christ Jesus. To move your mountain, you need to believe it, receive it, and then release it. These are not my words. They're the words of our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. So before David ever hit Goliath with a stone, he struck him with faith-filled words, a faith-filled confession in our God who will not and who cannot fail us. When Goliath saw David coming, the Bible says that Goliath roared curses at David. He cursed him in the name of his demon gods, vowing to feed the flesh of David to the birds and the, and the animals. What did David do when Goliath was roaring? The Bible says that David ran to the roar. I like that, of Goliath. And this is what David said in 1 Samuel 17. David said, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the armies of heaven and of Israel, the very God whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you. I will cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel, and Israel will learn that the Lord does not depend on weapons to fulfill His plans. Israel will learn he works without regard to human means. He will give us, you to us. Hallelujah. 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 I will defeat you. I will overcome you. The church will know, the world will know that the battle is the Lord's. <laughs> it's not mine. It is the Lord's. Do you see the faith-filled words? Do you see David positioning himself for future victory, future blessing. It's all right there. David, the Bible says, hurled his sling. He killed Goliath with Goliath's own sword, chopped off his head. You might say that David knew how to get ahead of his giant. And Israel began to chase the armies of the enemy, the Philistines, and achieved a great victory. You know, if some have said, you know, there really wasn't any miracle in the valley of Elah. No angel showed up. No fire fell. The earth didn't split open. I say God put a miracle in David's mouth. I say God put a miracle in David's mouth. David spoke, David confessed, David shouted God-confident words. David didn't just think them. David didn't simply pray them. David spoke them. In the name of his God, he spoke God's word. The miracle in his mouth at Goliath. And God has put a miracle in your mouth this morning. I declare to you that God 
has placed in your mouth an anointed and an appointed word. I'm not talking about speaking out in, in, a, in a spiritual gift necessarily. I'm talking about speaking God's word. When you memorize God's word, when you release God's word, when you re receive and release the anointed word of God, you are speaking power in the name of Jesus. Don't just use your words. When you're confronting a mountain, when you're confronting a mountain of a man, a mountain of a problem, a Goliath, don't just speak your word. You have a choice. <laughs> you have a choice to hurl at that mountain, at your giant, the word of the Lord, an anointed and appointed word, a rhema word. For Ephesians 6.17 says that the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. Keep speaking to your mountains. Keep speaking to your giants. Don't give up. Sometimes miracles don't come instantly. Ever wonder? Ever wonder why five stones? Why not just one? Why did David pick up five stones? Some have questioned David's faith that he should have picked up just one stone instead of five. I say to you that David was not moving in presumption. David would not presume on God's methodology. David only knew that God had given him the victory. If it took one stone, if it took two stones, if it took five stones, David was going to keep hurling those stones in the name of his God and for the glory of Jehovah because God had given him the victory and he knew it. He believed it. He received it. And then he released it. For the battle, he shouted out, is the Lord. Lord's, the Lord's, your cancer Goliath, your poverty giant, your mountain of fear might not move instantly. That's why you're called by God. Keep speaking His Word. Keep speaking His Word. Keep persisting in the faith. Keep confessing. Keep declaring His Word for His glory. I'm so glad that we as a church here these past, past 28 years that I've been uh, privileged to be your pastor, I am so glad that we've been speaking to our mountain. We've been called to be mountain movers. We've been speaking to the, our giant. Hallelujah. I'm glad that because we've been speaking, all of these children this morning are enjoying Sunday school. They're enjoying uh, children's ministries, children's programs like VBS this week. Uh, we're enjoying ministries in our children, Bible quiz and missionettes and Royal Rangers ministries that we didn't have in the past that we're enjoying now and they're growing for God's great glory. Our youth, our adults, young adults are are growing. Uh, we have a brand new young adult ministry this year that we never had before because we're declaring victory with our words. We're confessing our faith. I'm glad for ministries like our choir that have quadrupled for God's great glory. I'm glad that God has been faithful to meet our financial needs over the years. He's brought us through building program after building program as we've spoken to our mountain, as we've seen our Goliaths come down in the name of Jesus. 
28 years ago, this church was supporting just a handful of missionaries. Today, over 200 missionaries, ministries, and projects around the world for the glory of God because we've been speaking to our mountain. We have been confessing faith in our God who will not and cannot fail to our Goliath. And God's put a miracle in your mouth. I said, God's put a miracle in your mouth. I challenge you to have a never again list like myself. What's a never again list, Pastor? Never again will I confess poverty, for my God shall supply all of my need according to His riches and glory. Never again will I confess fear, for my God has not given me a spirit of fear, but love power and a sound mind never again will I confess weakness the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits the Bible says never again will I confess defeat uh, for the Bible says we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus that loved us never again will I confess I can't for you and I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us <laughs> I can get a job I can have a victory in my finances. I can have restoration in my marriage. I can walk with renewed health. I can live in faith and victory for my God will not fail me. Glory to Jesus. Never again. Never again. How about it, congregation? Speak the Word. Sing the Word. Confess the Word. Shout the word and watch what God will do. If I had time this morning, I could give you a litany of how God has been faithful to Becky and I in crises and health problems. We almost lost our eldest child at birth, but we confessed healing over her. And today she's a pastor's wife, giving us two precious children, grandchildren. I could share with you of the time that I was up all night in an emergency with Becky. She fell through our attic, nine feet, hit the concrete floor in her back in a neck brace, and we waited in emergency all night long at Henry Ford West, not knowing if she would be a cripple the rest of her life. And we confessed healing and wholeness and life and blessing over her. I could share with you, as I've shared before, uh, I was diagnosed with an aorta aneurysm, and I have the documentation to prove it, MRI, CAT scan, and then the two last CAT scans scattered uh, by a year each apart, proving that God had healed, God had touched, for the battle is not ours. It is the Lord's. Amen. Friday morning, Becky woke up and she couldn't walk. Her fingers were twisted. She came to me crying and said, Honey, I think I've got rheumatoid arthritis like your mother. And her fingers were so twisted and she was in so much pain. She said, I need my pastor to pray over me. <laughs> she doesn't have to call up her pastor on the phone. I laid hands upon her. We began to speak blessing. We began to speak healing over her. We began confessing victory in the name of Jesus. I even began to pray in the Spirit over her. 
And she went to her doctors, and she got a beautiful, beautiful report. Little osteo that all of us in this age are getting. <laughs> but God is good. Listen, congregation. It doesn't matter the giant. It doesn't matter the mountain. Take your stand of faith. Yes, God calls us to think faith. Yes, God calls us to pray. But there comes a moment, there comes a time when you need to run to the roar. And you need to shout out at that mountain. You need to shout out at that Goliath that's been filling you with fear. You need to shout out, if my God be for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that's within me than he that's within this world. How about it? You got a mountain? You have a Goliath? The Lord is here this morning. He's walking up and down these aisles. This is your time. I'm not going to ask for the organist to come because we don't have an organ. I'm going to cut to the chase. If you've got a giant, if you've got a mountain that you're facing, I'm not going to even wait for a show of hands. If you've got a mountain and you've got a giant that you're facing, stand to your feet right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You've got a mountain. It could be a bad report. It, it, it could be a bad diagnosis. It, it, it could be a legal a letter that's been written to you. You've, you've got a mountain. You've got a giant. That's why we're called family here this morning. Now the rest of you, I want you to find somebody that's standing. And I want you to lay hands upon them in the name of Jesus. We're going to pray right now. We're going to pray right now. We're going to pray right now. Amen. And I don't want you to focus on the problem. For you that have stood up, for you that have a giant, for you that have a mountain, I want you to start thanking the Lord that your God reigns. I want you to begin thanking the Lord that He is your victory. I want you to start thanking the Lord that He's your healer. Focus on the solution. Stop verbalizing the problem. Hallelujah. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we declare health. We declare victory. We declare, oh God, provision. We declare blessing, oh God. Because, oh Lord, this is your child. <laughs> Their body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Lord, you take care of your temples. You take care of your own. You take care of your children. Uh, this is a servant of the Most High God, a child of the King. And I pray right now from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, Lord, grant health, grant healing, grant wholeness in your name. And for your glory, we pray it in the name of Jesus. Begin speaking right now. Speak health. Speak wholeness. Speak victory upon that one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you've stood up with a need, just thank the Lord right now. Thank the Lord that He's heard you. Begin to receive as you believe. Get all excited about the miracle that is coming. Speak it. Share it. Show it this morning. Shout it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We are here to worship you. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. We are here to worship you. Praise the Lord. Stand with us. And let's just thank the Lord even right now. Let's thank the Lord right now as we sing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Children, stand with us.
Amen. Just thank Him right now. Thank Him for what He has done. Thank Him for what He's doing. Thank Him for what He will do. In the name of Jesus. of our God who will not, who cannot fail to be upon them. God, go before us in the week ahead. And Lord, we pray that you'll bless the special phase four decision meeting that we're moving into right now. Bless us with your presence, oh God. With your will. Not our will to be done. Your will. Now may the grace of the Father the love of the Son, Christ Jesus, and the sweet communion of His Holy Spirit be upon one and all. In the name of Jesus, amen.